Welcome back to the King Bentley Podcast, where every opinion is welcome and every voice can be heard. Sorry for the delay, but we here, we live, we active. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure who convinced me to be a creative or to, to, to dive into the creative space or to express myself in any way creatively, but whoever did, hold my head. The reason why I say hold my head is because nobody tells you about how tedious, nobody tells you about how annoying the creative process could be. Just going up like the ups and downs of the emotions that you feel while creating, even down to the actual editing of whatever creative work that you're trying to share, like even down to that, like that. Uh, Nobody told me about that. Nobody forewarned me about that. But nonetheless, I ain't about to stop. I'm going to keep going. This is not me making an excuse as to why the podcast is late. This is just me, you know, this is me vanting. After all, I created the platform so I can't vent. And so you guys can learn at the same time. Nonetheless, I appreciate you guys listening to me vent and chatting these pre-rolls. Um, they're, they're kind of therapeutic. Um, what's, even, what's, what's, what's even more therapeutic than a pre-roll is not doing them all together. So yeah, enjoy them As a matter of fact, I hope you're enjoying this pre-roll Because this is the last pre-roll you're going to hear For a little while Yeah, yeah Let me, let me turn the music down a little bit I'm going to be taking a little winter hiatus You know, I need, I need some time to just to, to, to step back from things I need, I need some time to process everything that I've been doing With this podcast, with this platform What I want to go next What exactly do I want it to be How do I want to look in the, in the new year So this will be the last episode for some time For some time Not too long though, I'll be back surely I, I, I only buy, probably need about a month or a month and a half Or something like that to get right But I, I thank you guys for being with me along this entire journey It's been eye-opening to say the least I've been meeting a lot of wonderful people Been learning a lot of wonderful things From the guests that come on this platform And and I hope you guys appreciate it as much as I hope you guys appreciate these conversations As much as I do As much as I did (sighs) But um, yeah man I I, I need some time to um, to just Collect myself and recalibrate And and come back stronger next year Nonetheless There's many, many, many episodes For you guys to choose from Shout out to all my first-time listeners I, I, I apologize to the first-time listeners in advance for, for you having to wait so long to hear a new episode But being that you're a first time listening That means you, you didn't hear the other ones Which means the next couple of weeks You can use the time to familiarize yourself With the King Bentley Podcast What you can expect Use the time to familiarize yourself with me as a host And, and all the, the different information Different gems that you can get In the previous episodes um, there's, there's so many different conversations it's, it's not just sports It's more than just music a lot of creative conversations A lot of conversations with family members Just about life and like general observations Things that are on that relationship So just take the time to scroll back through the feed And, and see what it has to offer for you And I'll be back before you know it uh, I'll be honest, don't hold your breath I'll, I'll be back shortly I'll be back shortly But um, today's guest on the podcast Today's guest on the podcast is Ramel Newells Ramel Newells, the young mogul himself He goes by the young mogul Um He's in the real estate space, and he's also in the business of improving the credit of, of, of young black people. And I appreciate him for that. When I heard about him through a friend, I dived into his work. I, I looked at his book, and I, I said, oh, I, have to, I definitely have to get this man on the podcast because he's preaching that. He's preaching the things that we need to hear as far as 
financial empowerment and generational wealth and overall financial freedom. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you guys take a lot of gems away from it. I, I certainly learned a lot um, talking to this brother. And I'm um, also there will be a video component dropping tomorrow for this plat for this podcast. Um, referring to the tediousness that I spoke about earlier in the pre-roll. Yeah, I didn't realize how tedious it is to to, to edit video and audio. I didn't realize how long it takes even for the file to be exported from your computer. So, yeah, again, it's not an excuse for why the podcast is late. This is just me realizing how much work you actually have to do even when you're not doing work. <laughs> Nonetheless, man, um, I appreciate your patience and I appreciate your support throughout year one. Happy holidays to everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas when it comes. Happy New Year's when that comes. And um, the next time you guys hear from me, it will be 2020. It will be January 2020. So I look forward to that. I will miss talking to you guys week to week. But um, I'll be back like I never left before you know it. Enjoy the episode. Appreciate you for coming on the show. First things first. Peace, King. Thank you for having so me. I want to shout out Rich for, 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 um, for being a broker and brokering this, this, this conversation for us. But... um. Most importantly, man, let's start from the beginning for you, right? Where, where did it all start for you? You, you tell me before we started recording that you were born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. What part of Brooklyn are you from? I'm from Best Stop, Brooklyn. From the start. What, yeah. what part of the start? Will it be Marcus Garvey? I grew up in Crown Heights, too, like for half of my years. Park mm-hmm. Place, no string, you know, Broward over there on those sides. Well, so. What was it like growing up in the start? It's the jungle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I love it because, you know, when you when you say you're from Brooklyn, you got a different chip on your shoulders, mm-hmm. a different type of hustle. You want to be the best. You want to be, you know, the one that's... That got the crown. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with that desire to have the crown. And now we may have a different way we go about it now. Like we think having a crown may be being the biggest gangster, the right. hustler, the ball player. But regardless of the fact, growing up, growing up in Brooklyn, you got to have a certain type of mindset. So that's one of the things I loved about growing up in Brooklyn. And then you got a lot of greats that came from the hood. So like you think about Jay-Z, um, Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, Notorious B.I.G. There's so many greats that come, come from, from Brooklyn. So you you got motivation. It's like, yo, I want to be on that list of greats. I want to be on that wall. And that's, that's pretty much how it was for me. You spoke about desire. Where do you think that desire comes from? Did you grow up with a lot of siblings? Did you grow up with a lot of cousins around you? Was it a lot of competition? Where do you think that desire stems from for you? That desire comes from not having. Like, you know, when you're when you growing up in a hood and you got to fend for yourself and you got to make sure you eat. You know, I, I got a twin brother, so it was pretty mm-hmm. much with me and him. And my mother passed away when I was 12. My grandmother passed away when I was 14. Rest in peace to them. Yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up with a single father, and he working, he putting in overtime, so I'm out here in the field, I got to feed for myself, feed mm-hmm. my brother, so with that with that responsibility, that, that grew my desire, and then I felt like I didn't want to grow up and just pay bills and die. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't want to contribute more to life. I, I, it's, it's more to do out here, and then when, like, outside of, like, growing up in Brooklyn, once I went away, went away to college, I started traveling. And I seen that it's so much more to life than just what we think in the hood. Mm-hmm. And that motivated me even more to like, damn, like we, it's way more out here it's, than it's just- It's past that. It's bigger than yeah, that. Yeah, this is bigger than us. Right. So that, that's where that desire come from, just being in the hood. And then, you know, my mom, she was an entrepreneur too. So mm-hmm. I seen how what many What was people, she into? She, was, she had her own production company. So she had throw parties. Wait. You know, she would do films. She would do a bunch of things as far as, um, you know, that is concerned. And I see how many people she put on. Mm-hmm. And I- I always wanted to reciprocate that energy. You said she passed away when you were 12. 12, 12 was old enough to remember her mm-hmm. and also remember, like, it was, you're old enough to understand what happened. Do you think of it, like, how did it impact you when she passed away? Like, how, like what, what was your behavior like around that time? How were you feeling? Um, that was deep. That's that, it was like a trying time for me, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I admired my mom because of how 
she impacted people, but she, she passed she passed away from breast cancer. Mm. So it was a little different where you know sometimes you have people pass away where you don't expect it. Right. I, I knew it was coming. Like, I remember when my dad pulled me and my brother in my room and he said, Yo, your mom got two weeks to live. So mm. y'all gotta make it happen. Y'all gotta basically make sure you cherish her for the next two weeks. And that like telling a twelve year old kid that your mother got two weeks to live, right. that shit just I rock your whole world. What were those two weeks like? Do you remember at all? Damn. The two weeks it was just like I, I was I was going through it. You mm-hmm. know, I was trying to figure out what my life gonna be like if I, if she's not here, kind of planning purposes, you know, making sure that I give her a lot of love, right. you know, bring all my, my brothers and my sisters, my cousins, bringing everybody together. It was just we was preparing for her time, you know. Mm-hmm. So that is a gift and a curse because if somebody just goes where you don't expect it, that can hurt you. But Even when more. You, when you, when you, when know, you know it's coming, you kind of brace yourself for it I almost. I started putting myself in position. I started, you know, building up that world. Right. This is what I need to do to make sure I'm ready when that time comes. You know, every single day when you look at that calendar, mm-hmm. the, the time is ticking, the, the days is counting by. I just felt like I had to, you know, be even stronger. And that gave you even more of a purpose to push forward because now, mm-hmm. now at a young age, from a young age, you understand that this thing is not guaranteed for us. This life is not guaranteed. You never know what you're up against. Mm-hmm. So you got to use the time that you have wisely. That's a fact. So that's why I do what I do because like, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than me. It's about what I'm going to do today to leave an everlasting impact on generations to come. You know, mm-hmm. That's what my mom did for me. Even though she passed away when I was young, she left an impression impression on me to want to be a, a boss, like right. you know, build opportunities you know, for wavy. others. And so as long as I can reciprocate that same energy for my nieces, my nephews, for my kids, when I do have them, I don't have no kids now, but that's how <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. though. I'm on that mindset. Like, everything I do ain't for me. It's a, it's a quote that I, I live by is, you know, we plant these seeds to build a tree mm-hmm. that we might not be able to sit under and get the shade. So you know, when you got a tree, you can sit under that tree and when it's raining or when it's like, you know, the sun is out, you can get under that tree and you cooling under the shade. Mm-hmm. But I know I'm going to expire. I'm going to die at some point, and I may not be able to reap the benefits of oh, everything true. that I'm doing. But as long as I know my community, my family, my friends, they're going to be able to reap the benefits of what I do, I'm cool with planting the seeds. I'm cool with building an empire. Right, and at the end of the day, you wouldn't want to grow a tree and be under the tree by yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, you wouldn't have a tree big enough to have others under the tree Facts. with you so you can enjoy the tree as well, too. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That's way. So when you were in high school and, and, and middle school and stuff like that, was college always on your mind, or was it something that, like, a guidance counselor probably inspired you to go away to do? Or was there a teacher or, or a friend that you had in school that went away to school that Good you question. decided to, like, follow their footsteps in? Good question. No, college wasn't even an option, honestly. Like nobody in my family went away to college, so the, the expectation was just to get a good job. Mm-hmm. Finish high school and, get and go job. get a good job. That was it. Like So college wasn't mandatory. It wasn't anything that was, um, you know, it wasn't an expectation for us. Mm-hmm. But I knew I wanted to be great. Like, I had this burning desire, and I, I knew that everybody around me didn't take that next step. So I felt like, all right, I'm going to take that next step. Now, going away upstate wasn't, a, wasn't an option for me. It was just going to CUNY. Mm-hmm. That was my original thought process. I was going to go to maybe a Mega Evers or something that's like in the hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was always smart. I always had good grades, top of the class, honor roll. And I remember when I was applying for my CUNY applications and my guidance counselor said, what you doing? You going to CUNY school? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what you mean? She's like, no, you great. You could go further than that. You need that's to be wavy. applying for these four-year universities. Like, you could shoot for the stars. So it was a guidance counselor that told me I should apply to go to these four-year universities. And I didn't believe in myself, but she believed in me. And I said, all right, whatever, I'll, I'll apply. And, you know, I got accepted. And, you know, I told my dad, he like, all right. Because he don't know neither. Like, <laughs> right, right, he right. Like, all right, y'all want to go to college? Yeah, right? show me how this done works. Let's, show me how this college thing works. We're in this together. That's how it happened. 
What was that transition like? That was your first time really leaving the hood, really not being in Brooklyn for a long period of time. Like, was, what was that first semester like? Was it, a, was it a tough transition part, or was it like, yo, listen, this is a smaller version of Brooklyn. I'll be able to maneuver the same way. Yeah, I, I went to two schools. So before I went to University of Auburn, I went to a small private school upstate in um, Adirondacks, probably like 45 minutes away from Canada. It's called Paul Smith's College. Never heard of that. Very tiny. Never school. heard of that. I thought you were going to say St. Bonaventure nah. or like TC3 <laughs> or something school, like that. Private school, but Never the only reason that. why I went there is because I told you I have a twin brother. That was the only school that we both got accepted to and they gave us scholarships. Mm. And we wanted to go to school together. So we went to that school and I spent my first year there. And it was a culture shock because it was only 15 black people on that campus, including you and your twin including brother. Including me and my twin brother. 15 black students on campus. And now I come from being in an environment where, where it's only black it's people. It's only black people, <laughs> and we run it and we do what we want. Right. To me, going to an environment where I'm wearing Burberry, Louis, Gucci, Prada, they don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm fly. I got a Benz. They don't care about any of that. They want to know looking right past that. what your credit look like, how much cash you got. Do you have all of these different things that they prioritize? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So. It kind of it kind of humbled me. Kind of shift your perspective. Yeah, a it's bit. like all right, you 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 worried about the wrong things, um, but then I had to shift it and I started like when I was in that school, I was a tutor, so I was you know teaching kids math, business. I played basketball on a team, so I had a lot of opportunities, but I didn't. I felt like I wanted a new experience, and that's when I transferred to the University of Albany, mm-hmm. and um, you know I took the Brooklyn mentality. Oh, before I get into that, so I did take a Brooklyn mentality to school so mm-hmm. i was hustling on on campus you know right. what I mean? so i had people in different dorms that was hustling for me while i'm traveling and going but, but when you think about it though like in co- on a college campus that's no that's low-key necessary yeah like that's low-key necessary like somebody yeah. gotta somebody gotta be able to supply that yeah. and now as long as you don't get caught like yeah. i'm not telling anybody to go <laughs> do that but yeah. like in the ecosystem in the real world that's necessary mm-hmm. it is like when you're in college that's your first opportunity to you know tap into your freedom you don't have, you got to make your own decisions. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we you don't got to answer to nobody, and nothing like that. Exactly. So I, I always had the mindset of, again, I had a desire to be a boss. I want to be the dealer, not the user. Mm-hmm. If I'm going, if we're going to make some type of money or we're going to be in a situation, I want to be in control. I want to be the one that's going to benefit. So that's why I said, all right, we don't, yeah, I want weed. I got weed for you. Go get it. Help me sell it. You could have been selling coke. Nobody exactly. That's too much. That's too much. I want to try to go that deep. <laughs> nah, what I'm saying, but, yeah. like, but like, I feel like oftentimes people hear that story, like, yo, I was hustling on campus, and they try to like frown upon that person. But it's like, yeah. when you think about it, somebody young, 18, 19 years old, you need a little cash flow mm-hmm. to enjoy your college experience. Yeah. I'm not about to, I'm not about to shun you or frown you, or frown upon you, like for doing that mm-hmm. or for living that lifestyle. How were you able to like? So how did you learn about like credit and about real estate and stuff like that in Albany, or was it something that? Like, were you like watching other things that were outside of Albany that kind of put that hit you to those that put you on those type of things? Yeah, yeah my my journey was is unique because I didn't learn about credit and real estate when I was at Paul Smith's College. I just learned about how to you know capitalize on your network. You know, I learned we had entrepreneurship classes, so I understood supply and demand. Mm-hmm. I understood marketing. I understood branding. I understood like the business. basic terms, right? Yeah, the, the basic, basic terms, terms, but I still didn't have a product or service that I could wrap that around. Besides weed, right? Mm-hmm. So I branded my own <laughs> products. I had my network. We had the whole systems. And once I left Paul Spruce College, that's when I transferred to University of Albany. And I brought the same mentality to University of Albany, setting it up, selling weed, getting, connecting people. Right, you know, oh, you know a bunch of people. You know a bunch of people. Uh, I'm going to give y'all a pack. Y'all go mm-hmm. move it. You know, we have break bread that one way. Per, one person on each quad. <laughs> exactly. Breaking on their own pack. Focus, is, no, focus on your quad. Exactly. Focus on your section. But then I got, I got jammed up. Mm-hmm. 
University of Albany was completely different from Portsmouth College. You know, you you know, campus police, they on, heavy. On your, got, on your body. <laughs> you got the canines out. Body. You can't get away with murder. So, you know, they, um, I remember we was on alumni camp, alumni dorm, one of the campus, um, one of the dorms off campus. Right. And the, the campus police came and knocked on the door and they pretty much arrested me and my, my boy. And that's when, you know, my life changed and... There was a two-week gap where it was it was a hearing. It was going to decide whether they was going to kick me off campus or terminally um, expel me or give me a second chance. And, again, I, I tapped into that burning desire. I can't go back to the hood. That's the worst thing in the world, to get out the hood and then go back just for right. doing some dumb shit. Right, to feel like you finally got the way out and then and to, you come to back, almost fumble that. Yo, what happened? So I, I didn't want to go back home to the hood, so I did everything in my power. I joined a student organization. I started doing community service. I started to ask for recommendations from my teachers, coaches, and different people in the community to write recommendations on the behalf of my character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did it for me. And um, luckily, the president of university was a black man. So he understood. Robert Jones, I think his yeah, name was. Yeah, so he understood the story. He gave us, um, you know, a second chance. And he put me on terminal probation, So which means I couldn't get in trouble as long as I was still on that campus. Right. But I'm still able to finish out my education. So that was my second chance. I ran with it. And then I went back to my dorm room, and I was on YouTube. And, you know, you got the notifications on YouTube. And I seen a video that said, three-time felon turned real estate mogul. Mm. So I'm like, that shit, that sounds crazy. Three-time <laughs> felon, now a real estate mogul? Right. So I clicked on the video, and then there was a king by the name of Jay Morrison, who's now my mentor. And he was just screaming, wake up in the video. He had <laughs> waves on. He was in a Rolls Royce, and he was talking about, yo, you know, I, I done sold a lot of drugs. I got locked up. I did all this stuff, but I changed my life around. Now I'm owning a bunch of properties. I made millions in real estate. We need to wake up now. We could do something different. So I was inspired because I see myself for him. I'm like, yo, listen, if if he could do it, I could do it. Right, and not yeah. only that, he looks like you. He looked like me. Mm-hmm. So I, he has an um, online school called the J. Morrison Academy. It's an online real estate school. Mm-hmm. And I jumped into the online real estate school paying $97 a month while I was in college. You know, we broke trying to make ends meet. That's a fact. I just got trying jammed up. to buy fits up. for next week. Yeah, I mean, I invested all my money into the re-up, and when they, <laughs> they, they, locked, they got us, they jammed us up, took all my bread. Took, now, all, so took all the lab. And, um, but I still, I still felt like it was a need for me to get this information. That's how I started learning real estate from A to Z, how to evaluate mm-hmm. deals, how to generate leads, how to build my credit, how to strategically leverage credit the right way. And, you know, the hit rest was history from there. You hear something very important there. You said you was paying 97 a month for these classes. Mm-hmm. So you was willing to invest in yourself, is what Hell it sounds yeah. like. Hell I yeah. feel like a lot of times people people hear like, yo, invest, 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 and they don't realize the most important thing to invest in first mm-hmm. before any stock, before anything that you want to trade is yourself. Yeah. You are, you are your biggest asset. You are your biggest asset. So for me, again, I always have that entrepreneurship mindset. So mm-hmm. I, I know the art of investing. And, you know, if you invest in yourself, then you could take that and make that money back tenfold. So if I pay, if I knew if I could pay $97 a month to learn a trade or a skill that could bring me millions of dollars, my return on investment is it's crazy. crazy. It's infinite at that point. Exactly. Well, what people don't realize too with investing is that you can't, like investing is not something that happens overnight. Like you gotta be patient. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's, it's important for you to develop a certain sense of patience, a certain amount of patience before you invest your bread in anything else. Because it's easy to get caught up in trying to get fast money, but it's like, if you don't have that patience to, to to wait for money to come back, you're not really going to be a good investor. Yeah. So that's crazy that you said patience because I have these three P's that I go by and I, I pride myself by every time I travel, I talk about these three P's. It's preparation, persistence, and patience. And that's like the art of truly becoming an entrepreneur, truly becoming a trailblazer and like mm-hmm. changing your and life. Anything you do, really. Preparation, persistence, and patience. Like, that's it. So 
for me, it's like, how do you prepare yourself for success? Because a lot of times we prepare ourselves for failure. Like we prepare for the outcome to be, all right, it ain't gonna happen. But what if it do happen? Like mm-hmm. I tell all my guys, like, what if I came to y'all and said, yo, I got 50,000 for you right now, huh? Go make some money. What you gonna do? You probably gonna be like, I don't know what you to do. Right? You're gonna, you're gonna you Because you haven't prepared yourself. You're not learning. You're not, you don't have no strategies. You don't have an LLC. You're not marketing yourself. You don't have nothing in place to where if an opportunity did come your, come your way, you couldn't even capitalize off of it. So mm-hmm. be prepared. And then the second P is persistence. So as you are preparing yourself, now you got to go along this journey of trying, failing multiple times, learning, trial and ever, trial and error, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So that's, that's a whole process in itself. And again, like you said, the last P is patience because it don't happen overnight. And you could spend your life 10 years grinding for like 11th year to be your successful year. Mm-hmm. So I pride myself on those three Ps. And with that mindset, that's how things start to fall in my lap and come my way. Because like my, my, my bros know, like we've been grinding. This, this actually started back when I was in college. We started an um, organization called Young Mogul Society. So we threw parties on campus. You know, we would do, you know, financial literacy things. We would do community service. So we developed the small mindset of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I graduated college where I actually took it and sell. You was able to scale up, right. But, but I mean, you, you was able was to, start. you created a prototype exactly. though. You created a prototype. Exactly. I feel like a lot of people also think that you need money right away to get something started. Nah. Like you really don't mm-hmm. need money right away. Like money is important, yes, but it's just a tool. It's just, it's just part of the, it's just part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, right, Let's say I'm a college student and I graduate and I'm in a bunch of, I'm swimming in debt. I just got, I'm just swimming in debt. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing about this real estate thing. I'm like, yo, I'm hearing that I could generate a consistent, a monthly cash flow of real estate. But I don't really have any money to, to, to get started. Mm-hmm. What would I, what should I do? What's it's, the first thing I should do? It's, it's, it's multiple ways that you can make money in real estate. Um, one of the easiest and most simple ways is wholesaling real estate. So that's an entry level where you don't need no money. You don't need no credit. You can literally just make money in real estate so, by being a middleman. What's wholesaling? So wholesaling is essentially, so it's, it's millions of transactions that's happening in real estate in everywhere, because everything is real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So everywhere in your, in your area, where, where, you, where you from? Uh, I live in Queens. You live in Queens. Cambria in Heights. Queens, there's millions of transactions, millions of real estate going on. So it's about you getting in between that. Mm-hmm. So it's like being a middleman in the streets. So like finding leads for somebody. Yeah. Like, so, oh, I heard this person wants to sell a house and I know yeah. you want to buy it here. I got exactly. you and I get a little finance fee basically. Exactly. That's all it is. You mm. find you find somebody that's going through a, a distressed situation, mm. you get their property on the contract, and then you go sell it to a, another buyer and you charge a fee, fifteen thousand. You do one of those a month, you can make fifteen grand a month. That's like what? That's like that's a whole quarter's worth of checks from an entry level <laughs> job. No Exactly. Fun. You only use no credit and no money. You just use hard work strategies. In, in your network, but see the thing is though, it's, that sounds easy. Mm-hmm. That sounds wild easy. Yeah. But you, what, what we miss now is that you may have to knock on a hundred different doors. Like you yeah. may have to speak yeah, to a hundred yeah, different yeah. people before you get that one to hit. Thanks. But once that one hits, it's lit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people <laughs> think it's like it's it's multiple ways, right? You can go into real estate where you don't put up no money and no mm-hmm. credit, but you have to do the hard work. Got to do the heavy lifting. Call a thousand people, pull a list, send out a thousand letters in the mail. You know, direct message voicemails, all the things you could think of to attack these property owners. And then out of a thousand, you might get a hundred leads. And out of those a hundred leads, you might get 50 people to actually accept the offer. And then they might accept the offer, but they don't go to closing. So you probably get 20 people out of that to actually pull through out of a thousand. So, but if you get that, that one 
That's that's your once check. You, once you get the, so let me ask you a question, right? Yeah. If I was to get that one, let's say, and let's, let's say my finest fee is fifteen bands, mm-hmm. and I get that one, I get fifteen bands. Yeah. Do you think it's wise for me to keep wholesaling? Or you think it's better for me to take that fifteen bands and invest it in a different type of way in the real estate? I would say keep wholesaling and then just expand on your business. So you in real estate, you always want to have options. Wholesaling, I love it because it's the entry level, but you can find the deals at a very low price. You are the one that's in front of the deal. So if you find a deal that's cheap, mm-hmm. instead of you passing it on to somebody else, you just basically wholesale it to yourself and then you buy it. But like for me and my 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 my, t- my companies, like we we wholesale strategies, find deals. If we get three or four deals, I might be able to only buy two of those. So the other two I just wholesale. So just having options, being in a position where you could get a bunch of leads and then you could pick and choose how you want to move with it. So just to clarify, right, what you're yeah. saying is it's best for me to save that money, keep wholesaling, keep wholesaling, so that once I find the lead, I could just become the buyer. Exactly. So now fuck a middleman, I'm just, I am just, I'm him. You your I'm own him. big homie. I'm, I'm the big homie yeah. automatically. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's, 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 that's the game. That's not a bad way to approach it. Cause, so when it comes to real estate, right, I always, like the first thing that comes to mind for me, I always think of multifamily units. Mm-hmm. Like I always think, I always feel like, you know, you, you invest in a multifamily unit and you'll be able to get a, a monthly cash flow off that. Because yeah. the, 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 the only knock on wholesaling for me is that you may get a crib and not flip it, not be able to flip it for like another six months. Going back to, again, patience, having mm-hmm. that patience to be able yeah. to be like, all right, this money is just sitting here, but it will, it will flip eventually. Mm-hmm. Is there a way for me to get into like investing into multifamily houses on a, on a low end? Or would I, should I wait? No, if you have, so when you want to go into multifamily, you need to get a mortgage and things like that. So you need to have some type of decent credit. But you know, you ever heard of FHA, first time home buyers program? Mm-hmm. So you like that's very entry level where all you have to do is put down three and a half percent or whatever the three and a half percent of the of the, of, the, of the purchase price. But then wouldn't the interest rate be wicked? Like wouldn't the like wouldn't the your mortgage rate be a little high? They do charge you private mortgage insurance because mm-hmm. you under that twenty percent down payment, but the strategy is to have your tenants pay for that. So if you're buying a, a four family as long as it ain't coming to, coming out of your pocket, your tenants is paying your mortgage, and you still profiting, and you put down the least amount of money possible out of your pocket, that's a win. Mm-hmm. That's how I that's how I attack real estate. I want to put the least amount of money possible down so I could diversify my money and buy four properties instead of just one. And if they do have more a higher mortgage insurance, my tenants is gonna pay for that. That's that's life. It's like the way I look at it is is like you want to be owned or you want to be the owner. It's like you want to be hustle or you want to be the hustler. Like, like, like I always just kind of look at it. There's only two sides of things, right? People pass on the fees, like as a landlord, <laughs> they might have water bill, um, taxes, all of these bills, right? And then it's gonna add it into your rent, right? That's it. That's why you're renting. That's why you're paying two bands. That's why you're paying two bands a month for rent. That's why you're paying because four hundred is utilities on the low, on the back end though. That's that's exactly how the game goes. You might think you just paying your rent, but no, mm-hmm. you literally they already factored in all their fees. So that's how they give up give up that price that you're gonna pay, even from a uh, like a, a business standpoint, right? So um, a company like Pepsi, which is a beverage company, cost of goods go up. You know, transportation to deliver the product to the stores and all these things. Right. If you look, if you go into to a corner store, how much is a, a twenty ounce bottle of soda now? It's like dollar like, fifty, right? I'm like two dollars now. You go to a $2? corner store, two dollars. Back in the day, years ago, you could get a soda for a well, dollar. We, we in the city though, so that's probably why you're paying two dollars. But on a regular with corner they, store, four fifty. With the regards to the fact they pass on the fee to the consumer, because the cost of goods go up regardless. The company's not going to pay that. They're just gonna increase the price on a product, and the consumer is gonna pay for it. Mm. 
That's that's just business one on one. So so the key is to to figure out how you as the consumer can avoid paying that. What do you? Oh. No, the, the the key is to not be the consumer. <laughs> you want to be the owner, be the boss. Right, right. I want to be the one that pass on the fees. That's 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 how I think. I mm-hmm. want to be in control where I'm getting things at a wholesale at a cheaper rate. And if if I have bills coming in, I'm somebody else is gonna pay those bills, not me. Mm. You follow? I'm following. I'm following. So you're just you're pretty much the broker of everything. Like yo, this is the whole marketplace, and I'm the guy that's that's calling the shots. Yeah, pretty much. That's not a bad way pretty to look much. at it. So, so how did you how did you how did you get into wholesaling after you graduated college? Which area did you start? Did so you, I, did you I start didn't even attacking? start wholesaling. Um, my my first deal was a was a what they call syndication. Mm. So real estate syndication is like a step up from wholesaling. So essentially, what it is is like you find deals and then you raise capital from different partners. So it's just a bunch of people out here that have money but just don't know what to do with it. Right. You might have people in the streets that just got money and just sitting around don't know what to do with it. People that have 401ks that in money just don't know what to do with don't it. Don't do that. But you might have the strategies to find the properties. So you find a property and you raise capital from other people and then you go buy the deal. You get your you, you get your feet on top of it because you orchestrated the whole deal, mm-hmm. and then you just pay out your your, your in private investors. Quick tangent, you just sparked something to me. Going back to what we said earlier about money not being as important. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you have the idea, you could, like you said, pull together money, get them to raise, get them to raise the money for you, get mm-hmm. them to raise the capital for you. Mm-hmm. Take that bread, execute, take your little fee, and keep it pushing. That's a fact. Again, another reason why money is not as important as we think mm-hmm. it is. It's just a tool. The knowledge. That's like, I always say this, the biggest difference between the wealthy people and the poor people is the information mm-hmm. and being consistent. Being no, Knowing what to do with the money once you get it. Knowing what to do, period. How you going to move. And that's why we down at the bottom because we don't know. Mm-hmm. And when we do know, we just don't do it anyway. So you got to be consistent with knowing that information. So like, I, I, I don't even care about the money. I don't do it for money. I don't, none of that. I do it because I want to be in position to create. To provide. Put opportunities on the table and inform my people. That's that's really what it's about, bro. How long so so what about what about real estate excites you then? Ownership. I just like just be so so for you so for you what it sounds like to me is for you like it all starts with being the owner, being the boss. Being a being the, being the um control of your own destiny. Like think about it. The average person, what they do, they they when they when they born, they're taught to all right, go to school, you know, get good grades. Get a good job, work for 20, 30 years. Then retire. Retire. Then with, enjoy the money. With half of your pension. Because when you retire, you don't even get, you get half of what you made. Of what you worked, yeah. Now you still got to go get a part-time that. job. So now your health is not even in position no more. You still working. You doing side gigs. Your health is not right. You just die miserable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live that life. I want to be able to retire at 35 years old and my business is running itself, travel the world, Go empower people. Go speak. See different things. Mm-hmm. Be healthy. Live my life. Like that's what I do it for. Like when I think about real estate, it gives me that opportunity to be the master of my own destiny. Right. So if I can go and acquire three properties a month, or even three properties a year, or even one property, like for the average person, that's because not everybody's an active real estate investor. Right. Whatever case may be. Just say for the average Joe, if you buy one multifamily per year. Over a ten year span, you have ten houses, and let's say each house is bringing in you what two thousand dollars a month. Let's mm-hmm. just say calmly two thousand dollars a month. And then you got ten houses, so ten times two—that's twenty. That's twenty bands a, a year. Me a month. I mean, that's twenty bands a month at the end of ten years. 
somebody go somebody could work a, a dead end job for ten years and don't get right. that. So if I follow this path for ten years and buy one house per year, and now I, at the end of ten years I could literally retire now because I'm making twenty thousand dollars a month in my sleep. It's crazy because if you do the math, that's still not even a mill a year if I'm not mistaken. You like for me like again I don't look at the money. A lot of people say I want to be a millionaire. I don't need to be a millionaire. I just want to make sure I live comfortable. No, 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 no. I'm bringing that up because exactly I'm bringing yeah. it up because yeah. I feel like a lot of people have a, a certain number in their mind, yeah. not realizing that it doesn't even take much for you to live good. Oh. Twenty thousand dollars a month. A month is crazy. That that's good enough for you to have a nice house. You can have three cars. <laughs> you could go on vacation. You could drag it if you Your want. Refrigerator be packed with food. <laughs> you can even go out and eat a few times a week. You could bless a couple of people too with that twenty bands a month. Consistently, you could you could put you could put aside two thousand dollars a month to but give the, away. The biggest thing is you have your time because real estate is passive income. You own that property, you get paid in your sleep, so mm-hmm. you still have your time to do all the things you love to do. That's that's what it's about. If I have money that's taking care of all my 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 liabilities mm-hmm. and all my expenses, and now I just have my time to just do this stuff that I love to do, I won that life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the master of my destiny. So let me ask you a question, right? So out of that two bands, let's, let's break it down a little bit. Out of that two bands you get in a month from mm-hmm. rent, right? Is that after you pay like the utility, the light bill, the water, the mortgage on the crib? Is that after that or is that before that? It all depends on the deal. Now for me, I said two grand and I'm thinking after. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that together because I go for multi-families. I don't do single families. Single family for me, and it's just my opinion, you know, everybody have their different concepts. Just and different ideas. strategies and stuff like that. Single family for me is still a liability. It's still something that's taking money out of your pocket because you got to pay that mortgage. Just like rent. If I'm paying my rent every month, the minute I miss, they can evict me. If you're paying your mortgage every month, the minute you fall behind, they'll come and take your house from you. So you're still losing. Mm-hmm. That's why I go for multifamilies because... Your tenants pay for your mortgage right. and you make profit. That's how you make your business work. You, you could just have work. one tenant out of like the four or five or six that's paying the rent. Everything exactly. else is just is just cleaning up on the exactly. on, on the top. Exactly. That make that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, so what do you think is the is the best type of real estate to go after? Um, yeah, like yeah, you said multifamily, but like is it brownstone multifamily? Is it multifamily with eight plus units? Is it multifamily with only four units? Is it a certain neighborhood? Like how do I know I'm like how do I even know I'm finding the right deal or getting the right deal? Um, it varies. That's a good question. I always say it depends on the person and what works for you. If you want to be an active investor where you wholesale and you in the field every single day, you mm-hmm. cold calling, you direct mess, direct milk, that's your that's your field. But then you got people who don't want to do that. They just want to buy one property a year and do multi investing. Or you might get people who want to raise capital and just go buy a 40-unit apartment building and just collect that off that one property. Mm-hmm. What works for you? Figure out what works for you. Once you figure out what works for you, then you go into the next strategies of looking in the areas. Like you could just go Google, like urban. They got urban planning online where you could go and Google, you know, zip codes in different areas, and mm-hmm. you'll see what's coming up. You'll see what's what this area is gonna look like in five years, ten years from now. Now that puts you in a position where you know I want to invest. The Barclays Center in Brooklyn, they had that planned for a minute, son. I remember when years I, ago. I remember when they just had it was just a train yard. I remember when Atlantic. I remember when Atlantic Mall was literally just like a, a little a sketchy ass mm-hmm. elevator that you went down. Yeah, not eleva- yeah elevator that you went down it was like a little little construction shits. Like it wasn't even a real elevator. Mm-hmm. I just remember it was just a, a sketchy elevator that you go down. There was no mall mm-hmm. on the other side where the Barclays is now. It was just a train yard with bare trains. Yeah, Yo, you know what's crazy? You remember um, it was what was it? It was uh, what, what song was it? I was watching. I was watching a video. It was Jay Z. I think it was Big Pimpin'. Mm-hmm. I think it was Big Pimpin' or Song Cry, one of those songs. But that was back in like 2001, 2003. Yeah, that was long. But if you go and you look at the video in the back of him, it was a building, and on the building it said the Barclay. 
That's crazy. And like, I didn't realize like I didn't realize until like obviously now today you looking back at a 10-year-old video, they already had it mapped out. <laughs> he already knew that, yo, they had a plan. They was gonna build this stadium called the Barclay. Right. And they put all these images in our in right in front of us in in, in blind sight. Like right. literally, we gotta pay attention. Like mm-hmm. the signs is there, they're telling us the story. Literally, like Jay-Z had, it was a building behind me that said the Barclay, and it was this old video. And I'm like, wow. They well, I mean, in, in that situation, it's more it's more like Barclay. It's, it's more, I feel like that's more of a coincidence because Barclay is just the company that bought naming rights to the to the center itself. And it just so happened that when you're watching that video that Barclay's been around, we just haven't been paying I don't think it's a coincidence. <laughs> that, that shit was mapped out because literally they... So you think Barclay's the company been scheming on us this whole time? I wouldn't put it past them. I'm just saying. I just well, to, all I'm saying is that... They had the plan of building the stadium, naming it the Barclay. They probably had a deal with Jay Z already. Actually, they had a, you think they had a deal that early on. Yeah. Think so? <laughs> I don't know, cause I, you know why? I, I this this is why I disagree with that because the deal that Jay Z signed to be part owner of the Nets, like he only got like he was only at the time he was only like owning not even a, a full percentage point. Yeah. You mean to tell me you had ten years to sign that bad deal? Like he had ten years to be like, yo, look, should I do this? Should I point, not? Point a point of a percent or whatever it sounds a little, but of a billion, of billions of dollars, I'll take that one percent. That's a that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like, right? It wasn't just a percentage. He was making money with the forty forty in the spot too, and that wasn't the first forty forty location either. Exactly. So he, he, he turned that deal into something See, exactly. Find a value in the deal outside of the actual the, the direct cash flow from it. Yeah, man. Like or the direct money from this, from from whatever you just signed. This stuff be mapped out. They had it's already mapped out, bro. Like, really, like I mean, everybody living day by day when people already planned out what thing what is going to look like ten years ten from years now. from now. But I mean, if you think about it though, like you said, it's it's easy not easy, but it's possible for you to look at the way things are now mm-hmm. and map out how ten years from now it's going to look. You got to be paying attention to yeah, it. Yeah, history. You have to do research. History repeats itself. And then you just gotta be connected. That's why for me, I, I'm big on building a brand. I'm in these streets. I go out, do these seminars. I got people that's politicians. You know, I'm, I have people that's connected to the to the police departments. I got people in the streets that's hustling. Like, I, I pride myself on making sure that I'm tapped in with multiple people so I can get the information. And then I get that game. Now I know how to maneuver the right mm-hmm. way. And like politicians, you know, they be having it all mapped out five year plan, two fact, year they plan, got to. urban planning, how this is gonna work. Got to. How you think, you know, all this gentrification happened? This mm-hmm. is this this wasn't they ain't just think of this yesterday, you know what I'm saying? This was already happening. They're gonna go up like a lot of real estate investors, right? And I'm giving you game right now. It's a fact. A these real estate investors. You know, people that's moving up people, a lot of people moving out of New York City. Mm-hmm. Because it's becoming too expensive. Right. So where they move to, they move like the jerseys and stuff like that. Connecticut. The outskirts of New York City. Because you still want to be next to New York City. Because you work, because a lot of the money is in New York City. So you still want to work and be in there, but now they're moving out. So being that they're moving out, a lot of investors is now buying into these areas right on the outskirts. Buying into those pockets. So hey, hey, let me ask you a question. When When do you buy into those areas? Like how do you get ahead of that? That's a really good question. Um, you buy into those areas based on the numbers. Like it's a numbers game. If you can find a deal that is 60, so most investors, we look at 65 to 75 cent on a dollar, meaning for every dollar that a property costs, I'm only willing to pay 75 cent the most. And if that is, it, it, when I look at the deal that way, 
Then I go buy. I don't care. I don't care what area it is because I'm getting the property. It's going to cash flow and the equity is going to grow in the property. Sure. But it's, but it's the, but it's still. I feel like there's still a strategy that goes behind. And you got to look at trends. Like I, I just I just I just kind of alluded to. You got to look at what type of trends. Like what 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 big buildings are coming in the area? What big corporations? Uh, what big are corporations? Up? Like you know Amazon. Follow Amazon. Wherever they building a warehouse, <laughs> you want to be somewhere around wherever they building a warehouse. Another you know? another good thing to follow too is hospitals. How? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like hospitals, because you got to think about the nurses. The nurses work late nights yeah. and stuff like that, and they're not trying to travel too far. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you work in a hospital, especially early on in your career, it's gonna consume a lot of your time. Yeah. So if you if you could build a little unit right by hospitals, mm-hmm. you Gucci. That's a fact. You that Gucci. Follow the trends. You just said it. You hit it on the head. Because so so like my thing is this though, right? It's easy to say follow the trends, but I feel like a lot of people don't know where to, like where to look to keep up with the trends. I think that's that's the question I'm really trying to get at. Like, how can we direct them in the right direction as, as far as like what they should pay attention to, what probably what even like what news sources they should read and shit like that, so that they know I this is how I should maneuver over the next five years, or this is how life is changing around me as we go ahead. Google, <laughs> Google. It's very simple. Like, I just had a I had a Zoom call with my me and my my two of my partners like two weeks ago because mm-hmm. we trying to pick out what's the next market we about to go into and invest. Google top twenty cities. You know that's growing in real estate, and you know in the country, you have reports. You look at these reports, and it tell you what's coming in the next couple of years, which cities is growing, which one is the best rental market based on what jobs is in that area, what like it, it's all online. We did like a lot of people don't be wanting to just Google and look online. You have it right here at your fingertips. I'm about to say we that we we walk around with computers in our pockets. Yeah, it's right there. <laughs> it's all in front of us. Just go out and get the information. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, you got to tap into the right people. Your network is your network. If you have connections with people that's really in the industry, that's mm-hmm. really tied in, like I said, politics play a major part. You have to be tied in with certain people, pay for mentorship, get around the people. It might cost money, but get around the certain it's people. Not might, it's, it's going to cost. You're going to yeah, feel it. It's going to cost money. You, you might feel it. You might really get feel around it, those but people. it's necessary. Get around those people. I think, I think you, you touched on something very important, right? As mm-hmm. far as networking goes, right? I think a lot of people, for example, let's say I want to become a doctor. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they think of network, they think, all right, if I want to be a doctor, let me just go meet a whole bunch of other doctors. Mm-hmm. But what, you, what you're touching on right now is diversifying your network. Yeah. So if I want to get into real estate, I'm not just going to find a bunch of other people that's in real estate. I'm going to find some politicians. I'm going to find some urban planners. I'm going to find people. I'm, I'll even go talk to the garbage man. Yeah. Why am I going to talk yeah. to the garbage man? Because he understands his neighborhood. He's mm-hmm. picking up garbage in his neighborhood every single day. Yeah. He's seen his neighborhood change. Yeah. So like you really got to really get mixy with the strategies that you're choosing as far as how you're going about meeting the people that you want to meet. Yeah. Like you got you to gotta get mixy with the people that you, um, with the industries that you're that you dipping and dabbing mm-hmm. in because it's like getting, being too siloed and too focused on one industry could also it could also harm you. It could. It can also harm you. Yeah, you got it. You got it. That's why, and that's why you're you're, you're investing in four different industries, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fact. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a fact. Yeah, so I didn't even like tap into all of that. But oh yeah, 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 we gonna get to that. We yeah, gonna get yeah. to that. And and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad Rich brought that up because. <laughs> The information that you're learning in the credit world, you're also able to take the information and leverage that in the real estate world. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people that I talk to that in the real estate world, they'll say one of their biggest, one of the, um, some of their biggest um, morals they'll say is like, yo, I'm not really trying to use my money. Mm-hmm. Like it's all about allowing the bank or getting the bank to leverage as much credit as they're willing to give you yeah. so that I don't have to use my personal money. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a little bit how you can use credit as an asset to get more real estate. Yeah, credit credit is very very valuable because it gives you purchasing power. You know, a lot gives of, you buying power, right? It gives you buying power, and 
you know, growing up in our, in the inner cities, they taught you that they taught they teach you that credit is bad because it's not your money. Credit is bad, and they also teach you, they also teach you to, to fear banks too. Yeah, they also teach teach you to fear. I banks. would tell you, credit is bad. Fear banks if you got the right if you have the wrong mindset. If you are gonna go get a credit card or get a loan to go buy Balenciagas and <laughs> you know Uggs, you should and, probably be afraid of that. You day. should be afraid. <laughs> you, you, you should be. I would tell you right the other way. But if you're gonna leverage credit. To go out and buy assets that's going to bring you income, that's going to pay back your credit and bring you profit on top of that, that's the strategy we want to use. That's the key. And right now, credit is flying. Mm-hmm. Everybody getting qualified credit yeah. right now. Yeah. That's a lot of free money being pumped into the economy it's, it's right a, now. It's, it's, it's like, don't quote me on this. I don't remember the exact dollar amount, mm-hmm. but it's like over 50-something trillion dollars in credit Beastie. in the world. And it's only like a billion, some like a couple billions of, of actual cash. So it's way more credit. It's a lot of fake. Know. So it's a lot of fake money out there. It's yeah. way more fake money than it is real money. Exactly. It's all an illusion, right? <laughs> it's all an illusion. So you now, I just like again. I always want to be in a position where I'm the dealer, not the user. Mm-hmm. I'm the hustler. I don't want to get hustled, right? Mm-hmm. So if I know that credit is the key right now, credit is how people acquire assets. Credit is how people are growing their businesses. A lot of these people like. You see on TV that's wealthy. They're not using cash. They're leveraging credit, and then they spread it out in different businesses and let it bring them money. Or, again, they're using their network to say, I, I know somebody that runs a multi-billion dollar, multi-million dollar hedge yeah. fund. I know they got money that needs to get played with a little bit. Mm-hmm. I got the idea for you. Let me, let, me, let me help you with that. So let me ask you a question, right? Let's say I want to get into this, this real estate thing. Can I just take out a business loan for X amount of dollars and take that loan to pay the down payment? Is that a smart way to go about it? Um, so that's a, that's a really good question. Now for me, with my credit repair company, Mogul Credit Institute, we help investors, you know, individuals, business owners strategize on how to raise capital to do things of that sort. Mm-hmm. But I try to stay away from loans because a loan- Why, why is that? Yeah. Because a loan is soon, I give you this money right now, you got to start paying on it. And for me, it's all about being in position, being prepared, as I told you. So I like to have money when I don't have no opportunities. I want to just have money because if the opportunities show up, I want to be able to attack. A lot of people may, opportunity may come up, and if you don't have the money, now you got to go and get it. Right. You already lost out. When you're in real estate, you have to be, it's hot. Deal come across the table, be ready. You ain't the only one looking at that deal. You're not the only one. Right. Everybody's looking every day. But it's, so if you have a loan and you're just sitting on that loan while you're trying to find a deal, you still got to pay that monthly payment back with the interest. Mm-hmm. So instead of loans, I'm all about credit lines, credit cards, lines of credit, because you only pay when you tap into it, but you know you have access to it. So you, and this is what we help, we strategize and we get you your business to become bank compliant where we'll go to our preferred lenders and we get you approved for $60,000 in in, in lines of credit, $70,000 with credit cards. And now you walking around knowing I got $50,000 on a credit card right now. So if a deal come up and somebody say, yo, I got this house for $40,000, it's really worth $100,000, you could buy it for me right now. You know you could just go and get it. And you ready? You in position? Right. And you're not Flip paying it, on it until pay that credit you use card it. right back and be Gucci. Exactly. So you tell me, I can I, my first business credit card could be I can I can open out a line of credit that's sixty thousand dollars. Yes, possible. you could. Yes, you could. How? But you gotta have the strategies, and that's what we we. That's, give that's you what you step in. That's what I. That's and I, I would want you to give that give that information well, away for I, free. I, I, I give out because we here. This is we family. Right, we, right. We're in a podcast. I'm gonna give out some game because I want to make sure this is valuable, but it's still a lot more to it. You know what I mean? So. As a startup company, the banks are giving out millions of dollars to startup companies, and you don't have tax returns, you don't have bank statements really because you're new. You can't really prove. Right, you can't prove that I could pay you this back. I could pay this back. Exactly. So what they do is they look at your personal credit and then your business 
uh, profile. So your personal credit has to be good. You got to have make sure that you at least, you know, at 680 or above, no late payments within the last two years, mm-hmm. no collections, no inquiries on your credit. You have to have a seasoned profile with, you know, different credit card lines. Show that you are responsible with your personal you can credit. Man- I can manage this, right. Because once you can do that, then they're going to give you lines of credit on your business mm-hmm. based on your personal. Because they say if this person is financially responsible with his own credit, most of the nine times out of ten, he's going to be responsible with his business. So once your personal credit checks out, then they're going to review your business. What type of industry are you in? That plays a big factor. If you're in real estate, the banks don't want to give money to real estate investors. I'll be honest with Why you. Why not? Because it's high risk, high reward. Mm. You can you can make a lot of money in real estate. You can also lose a lot. Lose a lot of money. In and real I want estate. my bread. I want to know that I can I can get this bread <laughs> exactly. back. Exactly. So you know, even if you're in real estate, you want to make sure that you don't put investment in your name. Don't put real estate in your name. You want to you know go on Google and type in top fifteen most profitable industries. And you may want to attach to that, like digital media is growing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, transportation is a very big industry. Those industries the banks are giving out money to. Um, so outside of having your business to be attached with a, a good, uh, what they call SIC code, so standard industrial classification. Standard industrial classification. Mm-hmm. So every industry has a code that is attached to. And then you also want to make sure that your business on paper looks good. Just like a resume, right? When you go right. and apply for a job, you want to make sure you look good. So when you, you want to be presentable, to, right? Exactly. You go to the banks. You want to make sure you have a website. You'd be surprised. So many people out here got businesses, but they don't have a website. How do we find you online? Your website is like your resume. The banks are going to Google you. They want to see what you're doing. They want to see activity, what the reviews are on your business. Mm-hmm. Do you have a business email, not a Gmail, not a Yahoo? Do you have an actual domain? Mm-hmm. Like These are certain things that... The banks are looking for the banks are things looking that for. you don't things that, you, that you're not even thinking about. You're not even. Thinking it has about. nothing to do with money, but it's all about presentation. It's at all that about point. presentation. You're building your business profile, and we shape your profile the right way. We build your credit up. We strategize, get you in position, and then we go and take you to our preferred lenders where you could get access to those lines of credit. So with the, with the preferred lender, is it am I getting like a better deal because it's a preferred lender that somebody that you, you, that you trust and know, or am I just getting, or is it just these are the lenders that you think that are best for me to go to? Period. Not it, because it, of any it's, special. It's not deal. a better deal because it's all, it's all based on your credit, but it's higher approval amounts because we work with these banks. So when we build your profile, it's ninety nine percent already ready to go to these banks because we work with them. We know exactly what they're mm, looking what for. What they're looking for. And they give you zero percent interest rates for the first nine to fifteen months. Mm. So it's is 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 um investor friendly. For somebody like you who wanna get sixty thousand dollars or whatever, you now have that sixty thousand where you could use it and don't have to pay no interest for the first nine months, fifteen months. So that's why we say prefer because we know that these are the banks that approve. Got you. These are the banks that give you the best terms. Got you. And is 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 suitable for the things that most business owners are looking for. So it's pretty much working smart and not hard. Like yeah. it's like yo, I could I could I'm just gonna find a certain amount. I'm gonna find banks that have. I'm gonna find banks that, not 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 necessarily that they have like lesser stipulations or whatever, mm-hmm. but. I'm going to find banks that I can create profiles for. You want to create relationships. That's, that's what I always say. I tell my clients and anybody when I go travel, I speak. It's about building relationships, like with people, right? Mm-hmm. If I build a strong relationship, not even if, when, as we build our strong relationships together, 
I'm going to grow. I got game. I got strategies. You are a business owner, so I can help you with your credit. I can set you up with your business, get you business lines of credit because we're building this relationship. Mm-hmm. Your podcast going to grow, and then I'm going to need a favor and say, I'm going to come back on, put me on, pro- promote me, <laughs> right, shout right, me right. out, like get throw my product on this advertisement right. free or something like because we're building those relationships. It's the same thing with the banks. You build a strong relationship with the bank. Now you might get a proof of five grand only. I right, don't. It's not the end of the world. If you spend that money the right way, pay them back in ninety days. You could go back to them and say, "Yo, I did. Look what I did with this five grand. I need more." All right, they give you fifteen. You do that again for another three, four months. You go back, turn that fifteen to thirty, forty, fifty. Mm-hmm. Build the relationships to where at the point where you now have. 500,000 with different banks and together you got $2 million in lines of credit. Mm-hmm. You, 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 the really, you the real big homie. That's the, I feel like that's the beauty of America, the fact that you can, yeah. like, you can, you can have $2 million in credit. Yeah. Like, it may not be cash, but you could take that $2, that $2 million in buyer power and turn it into $2 million in cash. That's a fact. That's the, I, I feel like that's the way you part about the country. I feel like that's the part that people don't realize. Yes, sir. And I think well, a lot of where a lot of people mess up is even if you're a business owner, you may get that business credit and spend it on the wrong things. Like you may get that business credit, see that you got five bands, fifteen bands of business credit, and just go crazy with it mm-hmm. and lose sight of what the real goal is. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really keep your mindset on what the goal is, so that you're not using that business credit for I'm other things. I'm glad you said that because that's where a lot of people get jammed up. I tell all my clients, like, listen. This is still debt at the end of the day. It ain't free money. <laughs> you just got sixty, a hundred thousand dollars. You you probably worse off now because right, right, you right. got more money. So now you, you got more be, money to, to spend. Exactly. You got a whole rope to hang yourself with. Exactly. <laughs> now you got more money to hang yourself. So if you go out there and go buy fancy cars and you ain't making no money, you just put yourself in a bigger yeah, hole. Deeper hole. So it's about strategy. So I always tell people, once you get money. Take that money now and go invest in mentorship. Go invest in a course. Go invest in some classes because even if you have the money, if you don't have strategy, you lose. You, you have lose. to have both money and strategy. That's how you win. Right. And then, of course, I think the, the next part is, too, once you have the money and you build out a strategy, make sure you have the right tactics to, to accommodate or to, um, to complement that strategy. Absolutely. I think that's key. You were talking a little bit about your sweat, your sweatshirt early on. It says street credit versus uh, street credit. You cross out street credit. It says business credit. Just so I want to make sure the camera gets <laughs> yeah, that. that. Talk a little bit about what that means. Like, what's the what's the overall brand that you that you um that you're creating with this? Um, so on this, I've been on this journey of financial empowerment for the last two years. Mm-hmm. My journey was um, I was in the real estate for like two years before that, while I was just you know trying to get deals, trying to get my foot in the in the door and stuff like that. And I had a job as well working for Pepsi. And I didn't want to put myself out there because I didn't want my, my the company to see me doing real estate. And that. And now, like, oh. So he, your focus not really on Pepsi. Then. Exactly. You're not really trying to help Pepsi get money. All exactly. right, so we don't need you. Exactly. Right. That's how I felt. And then, you know, I was speaking to my mentor. And he's like, yo, listen, you got to put yourself on. It's your life. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, all right. I just said, yeah, I'm going to announce myself to the world. I'm just going to do me. And this was two years ago. It was my two, uh, it was my New Year's resolution for 2018 to let the world know who I am. And I announced myself as the young mogul to the world, and I kicked off my Making of a Mogul tour. So the Making of a Mogul tour was essentially me going out there, building my brand as a real estate professional, public speaker, and then filming it, documenting it, showing them this is the process. No, I'm not a millionaire yet. I'm not a mogul yet. I'm the young mogul, but... I want to show you how the process because when people see you lit, they think it just happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we was grinding for years. We was doing this work. So on this making of a mogul tour, I was going to the middle schools and the high schools, talking to the kids about credit, real estate, and things of that nature. Then I did a, a, a college tour 
with my partner called Young and Wealthy, where we travel to like eight colleges, you know, Tuskegee University, Virginia State University, mm-hmm. Montclair State, you know, a bunch of different colleges. We gave them games. So I'm hitting middle schools, public schools, colleges, but I'm like, what about the people in the street? What about the homies that don't got that opportunity where you're not in the classroom and right. they need this game? Those are people who really need it. Need it the most. So fast. that's why I put together this street credit to business credit pop-up tour where every every week I go out and I'm in a different hood. So we just went to, we just was in um, Fort Greene and we did a seminar in the hood, mm-hmm. giving out game, telling them like, listen, y'all got street credit, but we can't take that to the bank. Y'all say y'all have gold. Y'all say y'all want to be millionaires and bosses. Being the biggest gangster ain't going to get you there. But if you have that same mindset, if you know how to run a whole organization and sell drugs mm-hmm. and scam, like literally, you like we smart, you smart, right. you running a you whole. You're using, organi- using the same strategies. Using the same strategies, but if you find the right product, which is your business and building a business credit, getting a real estate or whatever it may be, this is how far we could go. Right. So that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm in the hood with it. I want to show people how to go from street credit to business credit. So you know, we went to Fort Greene, we was in Albany projects, we're gonna be in Long Island in two weeks. And um, we was in Buffalo last, like, two days ago. Mm-hmm. We be going everywhere. That's pretty much what street credit to business credit is about, just being in the hood, popping up, letting them know, letting them know, be giving our education. That's now, are, are these seminars that you're doing, are, are they more hands-on, or is it more so you just talking to them and educating them about these things? It's more education. So I have my flip chart with me. I pull out my flip chart, and I, you know, break down the steps on how to build credit, mm-hmm. why credit is important. How do you leverage that to get access to funding for your business? Once you get the funding for your business, this is how you get into real estate. So I get them a three-step process. Build your credit, build the business, get into real estate, make money, build a legacy for you and your family. The money that you make from real estate, you can start doing your own passion, whether it's a podcast, mm-hmm. whether it's a clothing line, whether it's a, you know, a car rental company, whatever it may be. Just this is the fundamental ways you can get there. Mm-hmm. So what you do, you're teaching people how to fund, like you said, how to fund their passions. Yep. How to fund their passions. That's exactly what I'm teaching. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you really want to be able to chase your passions, you got to have some, something. Something has to give you the residual. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can have a job to do that, but you want to use that nine to five. You want to use that nine to five window to do your passion. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like. That's how I'm, I just want to make sure I'm taking it the right yeah. way. That's, that's what it sounds I, like to me. So I, I, I want to definitely get this out there. The street credit to business credit, we, this is for all entrepreneurs. This is not just for real estate investors. This is for anybody that has a business that needs capital to continue to scale up. Right. If you're looking to scale up your business, we have the strategy, we have the game to put you in position to get there and fund your passion. So I always talk about getting into need-based businesses. That's why I love real estate. Mm-hmm. Your entry business should always be something that people always need no for matter fact. what. Because people always need somewhere to live. You always need a place to stay. Right. So I'm going into real estate because I know at the end of the day, you got you to put your head somewhere. You got to lay somewhere. You're going to pay me. I'd rather be the person that you pay. Mm-hmm. And then that money from the real estate, you can use to fund your clothing line or your dream or your TV show, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. That is your real passion. But start out with these simple businesses that is, are need-based and is functional. You know, taxes. You got to pay everybody. Any mother got to pay taxes. So you can start a little tax company. I'm in the credit because everybody needs credit, you know? It's important to understand credit, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the boss call, right? Mm-hmm. You have a book right here. I hope everybody, I hope y'all been searching and Googling it while we were doing this. And you had enough time to at least purchase the book by now. <laughs> right. But So what's the boss call? As a matter of fact, before you even get to what the boss code is, how did you come up with the boss code? Like, when did you develop the boss code? I'm still developing a boss code. It's an it's a everyday it's a thing. Great, that's a great it's, answer. It's a, it's a process. I'm developing these, the boss code because, for me, the boss, the boss stands for Building Opportunities Serving Society. 
That's that's my definition of being a boss. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people want to be bosses, and that's easy. I always pride myself on how I could feed somebody else. Because I know I got the game. I got the strategy. It's right. easy for me to go get a bag. It's easy for me to, you know, make money and do what I need to do. But the hardest part is to teach somebody else how to fish. Put money in their pocket. Now you can feed your family. You can feed that person. You can feed that person. And now this is how a whole community come out of last place. So that's the boss code for me. And every single day I'm learning and I'm adding to fine-tuning the boss code. But in my book, I, I launched this this year in March. Mm-hmm. And I was inspired to drop this to drop this book because I, on my tour, the Young and Wealthy tour, um, I would go through the boss code. You know, it was five simple steps on how you could become your own boss. And I was getting a lot of good feedback from it. Like a lot of people would do testimonials and they'd be like, yo, I love the boss code. That was one of my favorite parts of the, of the seminar. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I'm about to make this into a book. Right. And I just pretty much elaborate on the boss code and it's five steps on how you need to shape your mindset, shape your life, the practices, the systems, the habits, the things you need to put in place to ultimately become a boss. And not just a boss where you making money, a boss where you got people that support you, that love you, that you putting money in their pockets and you're mm-hmm. really changing the game. You being a trailblazer, breaking that curse of generational poverty. In my opinion, I think one of the most important parts of one of the most important aspects of being a boss is being able to spot opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because there's opportunities around us. There's opportunities around us everywhere. But the key is being able to spot it so that you can capitalize on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So how did you train yourself to be able to spot opportunities? Like in, in just everyday life. Because every single day I'm waking up on hot feeling like what I need to do to get better. That's literally how I move. And you know, my brother, they like everybody they be joking on me, my dad, like, you can't sit still. <laughs> you always doing something, like sit your ass down. <laughs> but I can't sit still. Anytime I have some type of downtime, I feel nervous. I need to do I something. I should be doing something. I should with be this. doing something. Right. I should be learning. I should be scaling because I'm not where I need to be. I watch you know, I'm building my brand as a public speaker as well, but I watch a lot of YouTube videos with, you know, Eric Thomas mm-hmm. and, you know, I watch Gary Vee, you know, Jay Morrison, Inky Johnson, a lot of these guys that I see at the top of their game. And I'm like, I, I got to continue to get better. I'm not there yet. So that's how I spot opportunities because I know my weaknesses or I know where I need to get better. So if I see somebody or if I see something that's going to help me get ahead or add to my, my, my um, qualities, I'm going to go after it. I'm, I'm always in that mode. I'm always in go mode. So, so what do you think out of so out of everything that you I see in your book, out of all the principles that you live by, what do you think is a north star for you? Like, what's the what's the key thing? If somebody what's to listen to this interview, right? What's the main thing you want them to walk away with from this conversation? Um, that's a good question. Um, vision. Like, that's one of the steps in, the, in unlocking the boss code is like building out that vision, because you have to see it. You have to see it before anybody else could. Literally. I wrote out this three-year plan when I, back when I was in college. Like, Rich mm-hmm. was with me and everything. When every, everything was going on, I sat in my dorm room. Right and on I literally part. wrote out a three-year plan. I broke it down by months, and I'm like, this is the things that I want to do. I see myself at this level. Like my ultimate goal in, in like real, real life, my ultimate goal is to develop a community center or recreation center in the hood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Not a typical recreation center. It's going to be a financial literacy-based recreation center where the uh, community, they pay for a membership, but they come in and they learn financial literacy, but interactive. Like So, for example, they play Monopoly. We played Monopoly growing up all day long, right, but nobody wasn't really told understanding us that. This is real doing, life. Right. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. As <laughs> soon as you land on my property, pay Baby, me right, up. right, right, right. This is real life. Yeah, we was practicing those capitalist principles, but not realizing and it. Not though. realizing it. So I want to make sure, yeah, we can have fun, mm-hmm. but I want you to understand the bigger picture. I want you to be able to have different opportunities because growing up in the hood is either we either rap, 
play ball, or we trap. And when I went away to college, I seen people that's playing lacrosse, people that's tap dancing, people that's good at fishing, people that's doing a whole bunch of shit. I'm like, I never... Just doing it, just chasing their passions, just doing whatever they like. I I could have been the best bowler in the world. But you you was never exposed to it, though. I was never exposed to it. I think that's the key, too, just be exposing the next generation to things that we weren't exposed to so that they know that exists. Exactly. Because at the the end of the day, if you don't know it exists, then you're never going to be able to go after it. You're never going to be able to go after it. So that's why... You know, building opportunities, serving society, and ultimately, my the recreation center is going to be a, a environment to provide opportunity, mm-hmm. so the kids in the in the community could try these things and never see you, you. That might be a big break. That might be the thing that you into. Right. So ultimately, that's where I want to go. Now I had to reverse engineer and say, what do I need to do to get there? To get there, and that's my path right now. Doing this public speaking, building a brand, making sure that people know me. I'm in the real estate because I have to buy the location, building credit because I'm at the leverage credit. I need partners because I want to make sure I bring people in with different trades. I want somebody to come in and teach the kids about media, film, and show them that yo, you can be behind the camera. You could be a Tyler Perry, a John Singleton, mm-hmm. podcast, like all these different things that we can do. I want them to see the faces of us. Right. Because if you don't see nobody doing it that looks that look like, like you, you, you never want to think you, you could do it. So we need to bring them in the places where these where, where we at in the hood and show them images of people that's doing it at a high level that look just like them. So everything I'm doing right now, every single day, is to get there. Just to get to, that, just to get to that point. Step step. I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I think it's, it's very important. As, as we spoke about throughout this entire interview, yeah. it starts with exposure. It starts with being able to attach. Look at somebody that looks like you doing something that you've never seen before. That's the best thing that can happen. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate all that you're doing. And, and I'm wishing you the best going forward, man. I really appreciate you coming on the platform to, to share this with, with everybody else as well, too. I appreciate you having me, man. I feel like, you know, this is needed. I definitely want to commend you for even putting together this podcast and just getting started and getting this out there because we got to control our own narrative. That's a like, fact. You got CNN. You got, you know, all this fact, different you gotta, you, you hit the nail on the head. You got to control your own narrative. You have to control it. Because I, I, I think the main thing, too, is that the representation that we're seeing of ourselves is not even positive no. to begin with. Exactly. And I mean, when I was young, I'm like, yo, blaming the media, you blaming that. But as I got older, I'm like, if you if that's all you're consuming, if you're only consuming yourself in that way, in that shape or form, you're not going to think you could do anything more than just yeah. that. So like you said, you really have to control the narrative. You got to get ahead of that. You have to. You, you got to get ahead of so that. That's why we're doing this. And like, not just to reiterate, because mm-hmm. I, I want the viewers to take this home, as you said. The biggest thing I want them to take out of this is vision. You have to build out your vision. You have to have I a vision. It, I'm like, I'm the young mogul. I don't give a damn if y'all believe it or not. But guess what? Two years later, people really like, yo, young mogul. They right, right, right. Like, you got to really, put it out there, though. I put it out there. I'm acting on it. Now. It's really happening. So you got to see it. You got to build it out, even if nobody else see it. And that's the, the, the very most important thing. And even if you have to involve yourself in different things, as you know, we alluded to a little early, as far as like real estate is not the only thing that I do. Mm-hmm. So I have a commercial cleaning franchise as well, you know, the credit restoration company, nonprofit organization. So it's about just putting different things in motion that's ultimately going to contribute to your, your vision. To right. And, and, not, and not even just outside of different businesses that you run, but like even down to the base, to the skills that allow you to run these businesses, yeah. the public speaking, the marketing, all of these things go into everything that you're doing. Yes, sir. So yes, the, you understanding the real estate thing, but also remember everybody that's listening, it's going to come a point in time where you master one thing, you're going to have to acquire other skills to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I'm also taking away from you as well, too. That's a fact. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. It's like life is a puzzle, right? When you know when you get a puzzle in the box, you got to like, Put the whole piece together. Right, right, right. That's how it is. You just got to figure it out. See, all right, now let me put this whole right. thing together. What do I need to get to the next thing? Another thing, too, when you, when you, when you broke down 
planning out your goals. For me, I don't know, it's a little hard for me to do monthly sometimes. Like, it's a little easier for me to do quarterly. But I think one thing that's important when you're planning out your goals, you got to figure out how this, how this thing that I'm doing in Q1 is going to help me in Q2. Like, how the thing that I'm doing in 2019 is going to put me on a platform where in 2020 I could do this thing. So you got to, like you said, it's a puzzle. You got to figure out how, that, how to connect each year to each other. Yeah. Like, you're literally building, it's, you're building on top of a foundation. I think that's, that's the key to people. At the, that's something that you should keep in mind when you're, like, building out, when you're building out goals and you have a vision. And you Let me wanna, ask you a question. Yeah. You said it's easy for you to map out your goals quarterly. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't know, because I feel like... It's easier for me to say, I right, I want to get this done over the next three months than to say I want to do this in a month. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes it's hard for me to say what exactly. Like, it's, it's hard for me to say how March of 2021 is going to look, but I can have an idea of how the quarter of quarter one of 2021 is going to look. You understand what I mean? I, I get what you're saying, um, but that, that's something that I would challenge you to do. Like, break it down. The reason why... You, when you give yourself more time, like you, you're not holding yourself accountable. It's like you, you, you doing it in quarters because I, I got time. But if you break it down in a month or a week, you now, you putting that pressure on yourself. You putting yourself. that tension on yourself. That's well, a good way to look at it. Now. So that's why I don't like setting it out that long. I want to put the pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't hit those goals, you made some steps towards it. Because you True. might not aggressively hit every goal you set on that plan, but you made steps towards it. And that makes it better for you to see what March 2021 would look like. Now that you say that, too, and this is something that I realized by just, like, doing, executing things on your own. You don't realize that sometimes things don't take as long as you might expect. Mm -hmm. Like, you you may, like, it may be, like, you may may have a to-do list of, like, for the whole month, and you may get it done in two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a really good point. My mentor told me, force the progress. Force the progress. Force the progress. When you get something, Force a lot of progress. times we really rewrite it on a to-do list and be like, I'm going to get to it. But imagine it, it probably just take you two hours or something. To, to really do that. It might, just take, it might just take you two That's hours it. to create just that LLC. But we spend a lot of time just in our mind that I, I got I to get to it. I got to get to it. Just do it. And it's going to take you an hour, two hours, and now it's done. You can move on to the next thing. That's a fact. Force the progress. Force the progress. Force the progress. That's a fact. So, so where can the people keep up with your work? Where can they follow you? Where can they like hear little motivational talks and stuff like that? Like if they can't make it to you in person, like how can they follow you? How yeah, can they find we, you? we we online on YouTube. YouTube, you can subscribe. Mogul Elite Club. That's where we'll be. We will be dropping the Street Credit to Business Credit YouTube series mm-hmm. on YouTube. That's coming with January twenty twenty top of January twenty twenty top. Look out for that. Look out for that. Definitely look out for that Street Credit to Business Credit on YouTube. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Mogul Lifestyle with a underscore at the end. So M O G U L L I F E S T Y L E underscore. Facebook, I'm the Young Mogul on Facebook. Ramel New Worlds. Um, yeah, that's. Mogul Credit Institute, yeah, Mogul mm-hmm. Credit Institute on, on IG. That's the got a lot going company. on. The Mogul Foundation, which we are giving back this Thursday. We're going to be in New York City, Penn Station, Grand Central, handing out food to, you know, the bless homeless, up, those in need. Um, toy drive, yeah. Plug, yo, all plug all that. Plug all that. <laughs> you throw that. it at me right there, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we every year also we do a toy drive where we have um, – you know, Santa come to the hood and just give out toys. We be in the hood just mm-hmm. giving out toys to the kids. It's like, yo. You got to do everything for the kids, sure though. got to do it for the we, kids. We do it for them, so. We, lead, we the new leaders. Leaders in the new school. Anything else I'm missing, bro? Um, free consultation from Mobile Credit. You don't have to do the service, but you get a consultation and your team comes. You let them know what they need to fix and if anything fixes them. Got you. So, good, good, good. So, yeah, that's good. So, if you're listening, you're listening right now and you're thinking, Yo, this was great. This was amazing. How do I even get started? How do I learn about credit? 
we do free consultations. So you can go on Mogul Lifestyle, Mogul Credit Institute, click the link in the bio, you can schedule a consultation, and you know we'll give you the insight, the strategies, we'll review your reports, give you a full game plan, 30 minutes free. You know, if you want to get started, we'll do that for you. That's wavy, that's wavy. Yo, Ramel, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show. And uh no. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. I wish you all the best going Yo, forward. Yo, man, I, I look I'm, forward I'm, I'm to I'm going to be following working. all the progress. Let's keep working. I'm going to follow your progress, too. Keep building a podcast. Shout out. Know the vibe, bro. Let's the do vibe. it. And um, follow us. It's the King Belly Podcast. We out of here, man. You've been listening to the King Belly Podcast. You can follow the King Belly Pod on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to the King Belly Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Your support is greatly appreciated. This beat was produced and engineered by Nigel Pierre Bryant. You can check out more of his records on his production page on Instagram at produced by period and.